Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled, Just Walk Across the Room. In this series, we learn how to invest and invite others to the gospel and therefore engage in life's greatest mission, sharing the love of Christ. May God bless you today as you enjoy this week's message. How are we doing? Good to have you in the house of God today. I want to give a warm shout out of welcome to the Garner campus. What do you say? Let's let them guys know we're thrilled that they're a part of us to the Sanford campus, North Carolina Correctional Institute, Coffee House, the two new campuses that are already gathering on Sunday mornings. Uh, Columbia's working as they gather on Sunday mornings, still upfitting the building, but love you guys over there in Columbia. Those of you in Sumter, all over that Piedmont area of South Carolina watching this on television. And the North Raleigh campus is launching, uh, launched last week, their soft launch campus. And uh, they had 50 folks at the soft launch campus and baptized four people last Sunday. How awesome is that? And uh, just want to welcome everybody. I want to just lift a few people up. Um, We had vision night this past week and we started giving away vision night awards for creativity, second mile reach, that kind of stuff. And I just thought it would be really cool to honor and acknowledge those people uh, from the stage globally today because we did it at the different campuses on Tuesday night. But Wayne and Jennifer Davis... And Jamie McKnight at the Garner campus received uh, Excellence in Ministry Awards. Norma Josie and Ron and Norbeth Brooks received plaques at the Samford campus. And here at Central Campus, Joey Reeves, Mark Maletta, Melinda Hester, and Vince Farrell All received Ministry Excellence Awards plaques. These guys, all of these folks, these eight people serve with unbelievable uh, passion and heart and excellence. And uh, we honor them. And I just thought it would be very, very cool on Sunday morning if we just gave it up for all of them one time. What do you say? Welcome to the coffee house. I always, I got, I got to start looking now because, man, I'll miss somebody. And so some, sometimes I'll just say, welcome to all the campuses. How's that work? That works. They probably don't like it as well. I love to mention them by name, let them know how glad we are a part of them. But sometimes it's hard to keep up with it. Hey, uh, we are in part two of Just Walk Across the Room. And how many of you, show of hands, this is not to make anybody feel guilty. I just like to know who I'm talking to. How many of you, show of hands, you were here last week? A lot of you, a lot of you weren't though, which is just to be expected. Everybody's been summer scattered doing the vacation thing. Um, I want to do a little review. This is one of those Sundays that I need to do a review before I dive in today. So we did part one last week. And I asked a big, I'm talking weighty, heavy question last Sunday as we got started. And here's the question for those of you who weren't here. Do you believe there is a heaven and a hell? And Jesus Christ determines whether or not a person goes there. That was the question. And it got weighty in the room and it was just what we needed the spirit of God to do. And uh, we wrestled with that a little bit. I didn't ask for a show of hands. I didn't ask for anybody to to yell out. I just wanted you to, to think about that. Do you believe there is a heaven and a hell and that Jesus Christ determines whether or not a person goes there? That was the question. Then I unpacked three things. Again, just quick review. I'm talking, bam, 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 bam. You can take notes if you want. There's a place in your teaching notes to take notes, by the way. So go ahead and grab your teaching notes. Grab that pen in front of you. Open up your Bibles to John 1 because that's where we're going. And if this subject struck a chord with you last week or today, go to the Resource Center and buy this book. Just walk across the room. Be one of the best investments you ever made around this subject. Three things I talked about. Now, bless me. Show me that you remember. I know it's hard. Sometimes I don't remember what I said last week. Heck, sometimes on Monday, I don't remember what I preached on yesterday. Um, So here we go. The priority is what? Do you remember? Oh, look at you. 
The priority is what? The priority is people. Write it into your teaching notes. That's, that's the first point we looked at last week. Come on, keep blessing me. The process is... Wow, you guys are amazing. The process is invest and invite. Invest and invite. And the third thing we looked at last week is this. The party starts now and lasts for... I think you remember my messages better than I remember my messages. The party starts now and lasts for eternity. Awesome. Okay, that's review. I'm done reviewing. I got another question for you this week. Another question. Not nearly as weighty as the question last week. What do you think is the greatest danger facing New Hope? What do you think is the greatest danger facing a 12-year-old church week in and week out? Let me tell you what I don't think it is. Here's what I don't think. I don't think the greatest danger that we will face as a church is faith drift. Drifting from our faith. I don't really think that's a danger. Some of you here, hey, I mean, God has blessed you. You know God. You walk with God. God has proven himself faithful every single time. I love the song that that all of our campuses just sang never once. I mean, come on. God has never once left us. Amen? I mean, sometimes we feel like it. Sometimes we don't feel God's presence. But what I've come to realize is when I don't feel like God is with me, the problem is me, not God. Come on now. I don't, I don't think our, our, our greatest danger is drifting in our faith. I don't think our greatest danger is financial drift. Got some incredibly generous people in this church. God continues to get a hold of our finances and causes us to understand that, I mean, the least we can do is give God the biblical tithe. I mean, look at what he has done. Place tithing up against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross, and that is the least we can do. Can I get an Amen. I mean, it's just, I, don't, I don't think our greatest temptation or danger is financial drift. I don't even think our greatest danger is organizational drift. What I mean by that is we have a very clear mission, mission from God, vision. We have a very clear vision around here, which is what, church? Again. All right. I don't think our greatest danger is organizational drift. We have a clear vision. We have a, a strategic structure. We're very, very focused. I think our greatest danger is not drifting in faith, finances, or organization. I think our greatest danger as a church is drifting in our hearts and losing our passion and our love for people. I think that's our greatest danger. That if we are not careful, Let me make it very personal. If I am not careful, my heart can grow hard and I can lose my passion for the thing that burdens God the most. I can lose my heart for the thing that breaks God's heart the most, which is people who are far from God. And as a church grows and experiences success, whatever that is, and, and favor and blessings, and you know, once it gets established, if you are not careful in the church, you can lose your passion for the people who are not here yet. Turn the wagons inward, do the holy huddle thing, and basically say to the world, now we would never say it like this and we would never admit it, but we would basically say to the world, the rest of you can go to hell, we're doing good. That's our greatest danger. And we have this this mantra around here that we say, lost people matter to God and therefore they matter to us. Say it with me out loud and I want to make sure we're all awake. Are we good today? Okay, I know I'm I'm throwing some heavy stuff out, so I understand some of it's just the tension in the room. But let's go. Ready? Go. Lost people matter to God, and therefore they matter to us. One more time, I want everybody to hear us. Ready, go. Lost people matter to God, and therefore they matter to us. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. 
Now, in an attempt to kind of shore this up and make sure we are white hot for these things that matter most to God, I'm going to drill down deeply today on something I hit on briefly last week, and that is the invest and invite. The what, church? In John 1, I'm going to show you the biblical grounding for this, and then we're going to, we're going to unpack it. I'm going to be reading some selected verses. If you've got your Bible, it might be hard to keep up with me, but I put them on the screen there. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Then we're going to read verses 10 through 13. Then we're going to read verses 40 through 42. This is an amazing passage of Scripture, by the way. This is the Gospel of John, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, one of the most poetic passages of Scripture. Uh, scholars tell us the other church probably sang parts of this passage of Scripture. It is a rich, rich, rich passage theologically. So listen closely. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with what church? And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, that is the Word, through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that light... Notice what, notice what the Bible just did. In Him was life, and that light was the light of men. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own... But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, but born of what, church? Born of God. I love this next part. Now watch this. The word, which we've been talking about, the word was with God in the beginning. Okay? The word, come on now. Became what? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of what? Full of grace and truth. Not full of just one. Full of grace and truth. Now here it is. If you got your pens, mark this, mark this next verse in your Bible. Verses 41 and 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who was one of the two who heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he what, church? And he what? He what? Brought him to Jesus. Father, take our minds Fill with them, think through them, take our hearts, expand them, take my lips, Lord God, and speak through them as we have just looked at your word. Speak to us, God, that we might walk like Christ. Keep our hearts in tune with you. This we pray in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now write a few notes in your Bible or on your iPad or your phone or, or whatever the case may be in your teaching notes. Notice that the word was in the beginning. Amen. The Word was with God. Notice that everything was made through the Word of God. It's, a, it's an interesting claim that John 1 is making. We think of the Bible, and if you're educated, you know this. The Bible was written, the Old Testament was written, you know, about before Christ. The New Testament's written after Christ. Most of the New Testament was written in the first couple of centuries after Christ. So we kind of we put a time frame on the Bible there. And John says, no, 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 no. The Word of God existed from the very beginning, infinity past. And we know that because in Genesis, the Word of God, God just created. When He spoke, it was so powerful that He created. So John's saying, hey, let us, let us remember, the Word goes all the way back. Then He says this, the Word became flesh. Now, Word, let me just give you a little word study here. The, the word, Word, is Logos. Say it with me. Logos. Logos. So in John's Gospel, Logos is connected to Christ. 
So we all know the word theology. I want to teach you a new word today. I'm not, I'm not going to get all heady with you. Don't worry. But, but there's a word like theology. There's another word, Christology. Say it with me. Christology. Just like theology is the study of God, Christology is the study of Christ. So what John 1 is making is, a, is this unbelievable claim that there is this Logos Christology, which is the word existed from the very beginning and 2,000 years ago. Check it out. That word became flesh. And dwelt among us full of what? Grace and truth. Now the church, when she is at her best, is full of grace and truth. Not just full of grace. There's a lot of grace churches out there. A lot of grace churches in the 21st century. Come on up in here. Come on up. Whoever you are, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you look like, to which we would say, amen. Doesn't matter what you smell like, to which we would say, amen. Doesn't matter where you come from, to which we would say, amen. But here's the audacious claim. It doesn't matter what you believe. Oh, time out. I mean, there's lots of churches that are grace churches today. This is a very popular phenomenon. Doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter what we believe, let's just get around a circle, hold hands, sing kumbaya. Come on now. Y'all know what you get when you when you put a Jehovah's Witness and an atheist together? Come on now. You know what you get when you put a Jehovah's Witness and an atheist? Jehovah's Witness, for those of you who might not know, they're the guys who ride around gals. I, mean, I guess it's just guys ride around in their white shirts and their ties, they're on bicycles. Love their passion, man. Love their passion. I mean, they will ride up and down 105 degrees. They're riding on the bicycles all day long, knocking on a door. You know what you get when you put a Jehovah's Witness and an atheist together? You get someone who rides around on bicycles and knocks on doors for no apparent reason. There's a lot of that going on today. There's no apparent reason. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's all grace. Now, come on. If I'm going to pick on that side a little bit, there's also a lot of truth churches out there. Now, you've been to a truth church probably. And the truth church is the church where everybody carries their Bible, to which we would say amen, right? I mean, we should carry our Bibles to church. You ought to try it. Your Bible will go well with the decor of this place. It'll fit right in. Bring your Bibles, right? You should, we should carry our Bibles. And the, and the truth churches would declare this. We believe this is the word of God. Amen? And the past, and, and most time in the truth churches, people carry big Bibles. I'm talking about big old honk, and it's got to be black. Black Bibles. Girl might, women might do teal Bible, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but the, 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 you know, the pastor comes up, and it's a big Bible, and... Boom! He opens the Bible and everybody goes, open their Bible. You feel a vacuum in the room. Everybody opens their Bible and all the heads go. And he preaches. Expositional. Verse by verse by verse by verse by verse. And some of you are like, easy, Pastor. I like expositional preaching. So do I. And everybody's in the, and they all have their Bibles, and they're all, and thus saith the Lord. And the more complicated the pastor makes it, the more everyone goes, ooh, that's deep. Can I let you know that complicated is not always deep? And one of the things about truth churches with no grace, I'm talking about the truth churches, we know what we stand for. The world's going to hell. And we are the bearers of the truth. The thing about the truth churches, if you don't couple grace with that, is it's all about them. They're not reaching anyone. It's all about those who are sanctified, those who are saved. It's all about, I got my parking space. Don't you dare take it. I got my seat. Don't you dare take it. Did I tell you about the time I was... Uh, raising some money to start this church. And I preached in a church in Burlington. And uh, my wife was sitting in one of the rows, about six rows back to my left. And these three elderly saint women came up to her and looked down on her as if, what are you doing sitting in our seats? And then I got up to preach and I recognized my wife. And they were sitting behind her. I swear, I think they almost crawled up under the pew. <laughs> 
But the true church is man. And so you got two extremes. You got a grace church and then you got a truth church. And I stopped by to say today, if Jesus was full of grace and truth, don't you think his church should be full of grace and truth? The church is at her best, beloved, when we are holding to the truth of the word of God. Can I get an amen? While we are at the same time holding to the grace of God. And grace matters. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from. We all stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. It's grace and it is truth. And from that, guys, this is where we get the whole invest and invite strategy. It comes from Andrew. Let's read this text out loud. John 1, 41 and 42. Ready? Go. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to, and he what? Brought him to Jesus. Invest and invite. I just want to drill down a little deeper today. We talked about it last week, but we, did, we kind of just hit it on the surface. Invest and invite is the biblical model that follows Andrew in John chapter 1, and in fact, follows a lot of the people in the New Testament. When they get saved, they then go and they bring other people To Jesus. Saved people, if I could put it another way, saved people. Hello. Saved people, saved people. Or put another way, found people, find people. Good job. Saved people, saved people. Found people, find people. People. This is what invest and invite is all about. This is the people of God realizing that we have a church that holds to the truth of God, but we also have a church have a church that we welcome any and all people. And so every single Sunday we go out into our worlds, we go out into our communities, we go out into our neighborhoods, and because people are the priority, hello. We invest in them and we invite them just like Andrew. We bring them to Jesus so that they can experience what we have experienced. I want this vision to start taking on some greater clarity for you. George Barna, who is a pollster. George Barner came out with a study not, not, uh, not too long ago. And the reason I quote George Barner is because he's one of the best out there. He said that 25% of Americans said they would attend church. Listen, if invited by a friend. 25%. Think about that for a moment. Are you willing to have three out of four say no or just not come For one person, because of your one and only life, one person show up, accept Christ, and get baptized and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. Is that worth it to you? And don't answer. I ask that question sincerely. Andrew brought him to Jesus. Have you ever brought anyone to Jesus? I love, again, I just love the tension in the room. I want you to wrestle with that. The greatest thing you will ever do for a person is introduce them to the Lord of life who has saved them on a blood-stained cross, rose from the dead, will forgive their sins and give them abundant life forever that starts here and now. It's the greatest thing You'll ever do. So invest and invite is the biblical approach. Again, from John 1, if you've ever wondered where that comes from. From John 1, it's the biblical approach of believers investing in people who are far from God. You'll see this come up in just a moment. Inviting them to Christ and or his church so that together we can reach, teach, and what? I want you to read it out loud with me now that it's up there. 
Ready? Just read it out loud and just ponder the words as you think about them. From John 1. Ready? Go. Invest and invite is the biblical approach of believers investing in people who are far from God and inviting them to Christ and or His church so that together we can reach, teach, and release. It's caring for people, avoiding the heart drift, where we don't care for people anymore. And again, I've raised my hand. I've told you, man, if I'm not careful, I can get busy, wrapped up in my life, wrapped up in leading a bunch of believers in the church, right? Wrapped up in my family. I can drift in the heart category just like you. Invest and invite is keeping our hearts in tune with God's heart. Investing in people who are far from God. Inviting them to Christ if you can do it on your own. But I know that freaks a lot of you out. And I actually have come to believe that the most effective way is just inviting them to the church. When the church is running like it should. When the church is a place full of grace and truth. Inviting them to church where we partner together. Seeing people come to faith in Christ. Now here's the cool thing about this. For those of you who are into this right now. And you're you're really kind of thinking all this through. Here's the most amazing thing about the invest and invite model. The invest and invite model means this, that we will never be more than seven days away from an outreach event designed to help achieve the vision that Jesus gave us in the church. You see what I'm saying? See, we we love outreach events and we do a lot of them and we do festivals and all these kinds of things. But check this out. If you get a hold of this, then you understand that New Hope Church is never seven days away from an unbelievable outreach event called Sunday. I see some light bulbs going off. Do, do you see the model of the church? If I'm doing life with people and the Spirit of God moves me, I can always extend an invitation to a person who needs God. I can extend an invitation where they can come join me on a Sunday and I've just invited them to one unbelievable outreach event where their children are going to be blessed, their students are going to be blessed, they're going to be engaged and they can consider the things of God. See? Here's where I'm going for the rest of the day. That's the backdrop. I'm going to pick it up, and I want you to take notes if you're a note taker. I'm going to give you three biblical principles and three tips. Three biblical principles just to make this just as practical as I possibly can. If you're ready for it, say, bring it, Pastor. Three biblical principles for walking across the room. Here's the first one. Never give up and say no for anyone. Oh, See, we have a tendency, don't we, to just give up for people. We have a tendency to think people are far from God. And we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to think they are beyond reach. Who comes to your mind right now? I know most people, when I say who comes to your mind, when you think of someone, that you're like, man, they're, they're far too gone. They'll never get reached. This principle is fundamental to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, church, no one is beyond the reach of God. No one. I don't care how many times you reached out to them. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care if they just got sentenced to 10 death rows in prison. No one's beyond the reach. And like I'm preaching to myself right now. I've been trying to reach my dad for 24 years, and it is so easy to give up on him. Family of five I came from, three of them, three of them need Jesus in a bad kind of way. And I want to spend eternity with them. Two out of five, that's all we got going on in my family. So I have to keep telling myself, right? No one is beyond the reach of God. Can I get an amen? I don't care who it is. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your parents, your friend, your neighbor. You think you live beside the Antichrist. (laughs) They're not beyond the reach of God. Did you hear me? God can still change the hardest hearts. Can I get an amen? 
God can still forgive the greatest list of sin. Amen? No one's beyond the reach. Don't say no for them. Don't give up on them. Here's the second thing. Second thing. Recognize winning someone to Christ is usually a process and not a one-time event. That's huge. Recognize that winning someone to Christ is usually a what, church? Process and not a one-time event. Here's what we do. Come on, we're guilty of it. You know, God's tugging at your heart. You hear the still small voice. You have a heart for someone and you've been dreading it, dreading it, dreading it, dreading to invite them to church, dreading to talk to them about God. You do it one time and you're like, whoop, check that off. That's all about to do this. Done. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> this is not a to-do list item. And people take time. Walking across the room and winning someone to Christ is a process. People are busy. So if you extend an invitation and they say, I can't make it, I've got plans, don't take it personal. Just keep building into the relationship. Just keep investing into the relationship. Invite them again and again. Be sensitive. Be patient. It's a process. It's not a one-time Event. Bill Hybels, who I mentioned earlier, is the author of this book. I've come to know Bill on several occasions. The unbelievable thing about Bill is whenever you talk to Bill, he has two passions in life. One is Jesus and the other is sailing. Any sailors in the house? Like you like to sail? We got one of them. <laughs> two. Maybe some at the campuses. Well, I, I, I don't like to sail. Um, because one time I took my kids. We were in Antigua. And we were on a missions trip in downtown Antigua, my, my twin boys. They were the only two with me. And we went to the beach one afternoon after we finished doing this vacation Bible school. And we decided to rent one of those small sailboats. And so we rented one of those small sailboats. And we took off and the wind hit the sail, baby. And we were cooking. We were just heading out. We were going out to the ocean. I mean, we just kept going, going, going. And then I realized I had gone further than they told me we should go. And so it was time to turn around. That's when the trouble began. I tried to turn around. I couldn't figure it out. I know I'm not the smartest tack in the box, right? So I kept, I, I kept turning the, 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 the rudder. I kept trying to maneuver the sails. The first time I'd ever been sailing. We kept going and going and going and going. My boys started worrying. My twin boys. At this time, I think they were about, let's see if they're, they're 14 now. They were about nine years old. I got twin boys, right? So I did the only thing that a good father of twin boys would do. I made them get out of the sailboat and turn and, and, I, and they, they had to kick their feet. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And I said, boys, just keep kicking. But it didn't work even then. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't overcome our sailing ignorance. And so finally, I'm not kidding, they had to send somebody out in a jet ski to rescue us. I'm not proud of this moment. And what made it even worse was when the jet ski lifeguard dude got out of there, he gave me one sentence and command, just one. All I had to do was maneuver the sail one particular way, and it was off and running right back to the coastline. I'm not a very good sailor, so I don't like sailing. But here's, here's my point of my story. Bill Hybels loves to sail. Bill Hybels, who wrote this book, has really led our country and, and was a pace setter in getting churches to understand this heartbeat for God. And, and he shot a little video about reaching one of his friends that really drills down on this, this point that I'm making today in that it's a process and not a one-time event. Check it out. I saw something so uh, valuable inside Dave. And uh, I remember just saying to myself, this is going to be a long, slow walk. He's got to see a Christian kind of walk the walk. I, I never put a time span on it. I just said, this is a guy I'd like to be friends with and let God do whatever God's going to do. I really wanted to make sure that it was God doing the work and uh, me riding in the second position. Before uh, regatta, I was preparing my little area on the sailboat and Bill would come up and just ask me how my week had gone, how Beth was, maybe what had gone on at work. I mean, the conversations never really moved uh, towards faith or Christianity. 
And it, again, it was just so refreshing uh, to me that he was concerned about me as an individual and what was going on in my life. I think really trying to point someone in the direction of faith is usually the summation of a lot of little inputs along the way. I don't think it's the big three-hour talk where you start with creation and end at the end of the Bible. I, I don't think it's a great big theological brain dump all at once. I remember uh, Bill giving me a copy of Case for Christ before it was uh, ever even in print. And so in my travels around the country, uh, you know, on airplanes, I would pull that out and uh, read a few pages. And I really needed that because I was so inquisitive about the science part of it. So never give up on anyone and say no. Recognize that it's a process and not a one-time event. Here's the third thing. Keep your heart right. Keep your heart right. Followers of Christ always work diligently to keep your heart right. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you don't guard your heart, your heart will grow hard. Some of you maybe have never heard that reality. Proverbs 4.23 says this, an amazing verse of Scripture. Proverbs 4.23, let's read it out loud together. Ready, go. Above all else, guard your, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Young person, learn to guard your heart. Mature Christ followers learn to guard their hearts so that they stay open to people. Their hearts are tender for people and they love people. Three practical tips for walking across the room. Here's the first one. Invite with hype. Uh-huh. Invite with hype. If you're going to invite somebody to church and they just, let's say, I don't know, they just lost their job, Right? And you've been investing in this person. You're not going to get very far if you go, well, love to have you at our church. It's just, it's just that one over there by South Point Mall. Come anytime. Invite with hype, invite with excitement. Invite with passion. Listen, have you ever known that one crazy flea will drive a dog crazy? You got to have some energy to you. You got to have some excitement. You got to have some buzz. Now, I'm not asking you to be someone that you're not. If you're an introvert, I'm not asking you to become a flaming extrovert. Come on, I'm not asking you to be phony. But somebody loses their job, man, minister to them and say, hey, we'd love to have you at New Hope Church. You are so welcome. Here are our worship celebration times. Hey, I'll meet you out on the patio. We'll sit together. You're going to love it. You're going to be blessed. And this might be a way to just have you know you encourage you. Come on and join us. You see the difference? Invite with hype. If you didn't see the video last week, we showed it in worship. If you weren't here, please, please, please go to my blog and watch this video, BenjiKelly.com. It's Mark Maletta, a new hoper who invested and invited Mike Dew, a Buddhist who came and accepted Christ on Easter Sunday morning. He has since been baptized, serving in ministry around here, and he's helping the Raleigh campus launch. I mean, it's an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable success story. But listen, go watch that video and notice how in the texting, Mike explained that Mark texted him back, all caps, excited about him coming to church. I got another email this week. Here's an example, and I'm going to read it because it's so good. But what's really good is, well, I'll tell you when we get there. He says this, Dear Pastor Benji, thank you for providing the Vimeo tool. I have used it over and over to, sh to share part four of Symphony of Praise. Incidentally, I believe it to be one of the greatest of many services I've ever attended at New Hope Church. My wife and I are both, listen to how he says this, card-carrying new hopers, as I like to call it. And I'm going I'm to talk about cards in a moment, as I like to call it. But also looking for every opportunity to use any tool or talent to reach the loss. Here's my favorite part. We are 74 and 62, respectively. Anybody else fired up that we got some... Some people, I'm not going to call them elderly or old. I'm definitely not going to call them that. But come on, they're, they're, they're in their 70s and 60s. And they're fired up about reaching people for Jesus. I think that's awesome. Yeah. 
respectively, but we will do everything we can to advance God's kingdom. We wanted to take the training for the prison ministry, but our life group had a meal at our home last Saturday, and we were busy with that. I thank God for you and every person on the New Hope team for being so ready to act on his calling to reach, teach, and release. They sign it because of him, Bobby and Glenn. When you get this, guys, it doesn't matter your age. God wants to use you and you and you and you and you and everybody on the other side of that camera. God wants to use you to change the eternal destiny of people's souls. And to do that, you gotta come on, you gotta get a little excited about your faith. You're like, I don't, I don't have any luck with this whole evangelism thing. We talked about that bad four-letter word last week, right? Some of you are like, I've never, I could never do this. Well, if you, if you don't have any luck with it, I think this series is going to spur you on. But here's tip number one. Get excited about your faith. Get excited about Jesus. Anybody excited about Jesus? If you are, if you are, make sure your face knows about it. I'm serious. Sometimes people say, I'm excited about Jesus. I'm like, dude, if you let your face know it, invite with hype. Invite with hype. Here's the second thing. Place something in their hand. Come on, I'm getting down, right? Practical. But if you will follow this stuff, if you will put this stuff into practice, people will be in heaven because of your one and only life. Put something in their hand. It can be your own business card. That you turn over and on the back, you write newhopenc.org and the worship service times and your phone number. And come on, can I just, <laughs> my mind just went there because of how I think. You just did two things. <laughs> you just promoted your business and the kingdom. We have invest and invite cards at all of our campuses in multiple places. If you go to the bathroom around here once a week, you probably do. Just get them in the bathroom. Invest and invite. It says come join us. Worship on Sundays. It's got the service times, the website. You turn. It's even got a stinking map. Carry these things. When God speaks to you about a waiter or a waitress or a colleague or a neighbor, boom. Put something in their hands. When you get a mailer from us and you're done with it, carry it to a neighbor. We're all, something happens. I don't know what it is. If you don't have anything, and this happens to me sometimes, I don't have anything. And I try to carry cards, but hey, we all forget. If it's even a napkin that you just write out your name and the church and the website, it goes a long way. Can I get an Amen. Number three, guide with a ride and do something afterwards. Guide with a ride and do something afterwards. Just like putting something in someone's hands, I can't explain it, makes a huge difference. Offering to pick them up and give them a ride makes a huge difference. You're like, my car's too dirty. Who cares? This is the kingdom of God we're talking about. And you might need to get your dirty socks off the floorboard anyway. (laughs) Guide with a ride and do something afterwards. Go to coffee. Go Go to lunch or dinner. Go to a movie. Engage the relationship. But I said this earlier, but I don't think we put it on the screen, but I'm going to go and say it so we put it on the screen. Listen to me, and I'm just going to slow down because, guys, I know this is heavy stuff. And I know some of you are like, you're stiff-arming it, and you're just not sure, and you've bought the lie of post-modernity. You've bought the lie that pluralism reigns supreme. It doesn't matter what you believe. You've bought the lie that there's not really a heaven and a hell. And you've bought the lie straight from the pits of hell. That that God can't use you. 
Oh, no. Not only can God use you. Listen to me. He will use you to change the eternal trajectory of a person's soul if you let him. Here's, here's the thing. The greatest thing you will ever do in life is to graduate from an Ivy League school. Heck no. The greatest thing you'll ever do is one day make six figures. Heck no. The greatest thing you'll ever do is one day drive a new car. The greatest thing you'll ever do, young lady, is marry a dude with an awesome six-pack. No, no, no. The greatest thing you will ever do if you do it in life is to be a part of leading someone to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And as your pastor, I love you enough just to tell you like it is. The greatest thing you could ever fathom doing with your life is being a part of just like Andrew, bringing someone to Jesus. You don't have to do it on your own. We're in it together. But can you imagine getting to heaven and high-fiving one another over the fact that people's souls and eternal destinies are in heaven with God forever because you sucked oxygen on planet earth. You say, is it worth it? You daggum right it's worth it. Is it worth Somebody possibly saying no. I'm not going to lie to you. If Barna's right, three out of four won't come. Is it worth that? You daggum right it is. Is it worth the possibility of somebody asking you a question that maybe you don't know the answer to? You daggum right it is. Here's one of the best answers you can ever give, by the way. I don't know. Whoever convinced us Christians that we got to have all the answers? I sometimes come down on post-modernity. By the way, one of the beauties of post-modernity is the seekers are skeptical of those who act like they know all the answers. None of us know all the answers, me included. Is it worth it? So worth it, church. You say, show me. All right. I showed it to you earlier and we celebrated. Look at this group of people. Just last week. Just last week. Well, maybe we didn't look at it earlier. I, I can't remember. Here, look at this picture. We didn't look at it earlier. That's right. We didn't. I had it in my notes. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Maybe the group picture doesn't quite do enough for you. Let me show you some emotion. Let me show you some passion that joins the angels in heaven partying over sinners who repent. Here's one. Here's one. Let me show you. Let's go to another one. A relationship forged in the waters of baptism. Unbelievable. Yeah, you should be clapping. I know you're not sure. I know it's a heavy moment, but yeah. Is it worth it? The fact that we're growing a church and God is using us to reach the next generation. God's precious little children. Look at this next one. Look, look. Is it worth it? 
one more, one more, that's all. Is it worth it? Watch this. greatest thing you will ever do if you do it, the greatest thing is be a part of winning someone to faith in Christ you do that by investing in people you do that by, just like Andrew bringing them to Jesus either on your own or better yet, just bring them here to the church, just invite them, just bring them Tuesday night Actually, Tuesday morning, the sun wasn't even up yet. It was dark. Tuesday morning, Amy Lynn and I decided it was time just to get away. Jumped on an airplane, and Southwest had one of those killer specials, like $59, man. In and out of Nashville, direct flight. We've always wanted to do the Grand Ole Opry. I know, you're like, dude, you don't seem like a Grand Ole Opry kind of guy. So we, we flew into Nashville. We were there by like 8.30 in the morning, man. We stayed all day Tuesday, did the Grand Ole Opry Tuesday night, back on Wednesday night. Just a two-day deal. One night, two-day deal. We're flying back into RDU Wednesday night about 10 p.m. And I look out the window. Immediately, I was transported back to 12 years ago when I was at Asbury Theological Seminary. And I flew down to RDU for a fundraiser to start this church. And as I flew in 12 years ago, I looked out the window at night and I saw all the lights of central North Carolina. And I was so fired up about starting this church 12 years ago. I was so passionate. I was going to start this church if no one joined me. And the good news is I knew my wife was with me, so we were doing it. So I flew in for a fundraiser and I looked out the window 12 years ago and I saw all these lights. And God said, if you're faithful... If you're faithful, we're going to reach all these homes for Jesus. I landed. I did the fundraiser. Got back in the plane the next day. Hadn't thought about that event until Wednesday night, 10 o'clock. We're flying back in from Nashville. I look out the window and there they are again. And I had two thoughts. And here was the first one. Oh, God, I hope we've done well for you. I hope... I hope this church, this movement of yours is is blessing your heart, God. And in that moment, I heard that still, small voice say, You know what? Look at what you started with 12 years ago. You had no idea, because I didn't. You had no idea the scope of what I was going to do through you. But you went out and you and a ragtag group of people. And look at what I've done in 12 years. And that still small voice just whispered to me as clear as ever. I knew it was the voice of the Lord. God said, you just imagine now, like you couldn't imagine 12 years ago. You imagine now what I can do in the next decade, the next 30, the next 40 years. If you and all those crazy people called New Hope Church would have a heart for my people. And I I felt like even, even more optimistic that we can do this thing, church. And we will do this thing. We just got to get out and care for people. We just got to walk across the room and invite people to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for um, the call, the challenge. God, even as I teach these messages, I just... I see that many of us are excited and receiving. The truth is many of us are like, I just don't know if I can do that. Father, I pray that um, we would not do it ever out of duty or obligation, but I pray that we would actually do it with a heart that breaks for you. Father, that we would do it with pure motives. Father, that you would anoint us and bless us for the task at hand. I think of John chapter 4, just a few chapters after Andrew brought... Simon, Peter, and others to you, Lord Jesus. In John 4, Jesus, you said, look to the fields for they are ripe for harvest. Send workers into the harvest field. So, Father, as a church at all of our campuses today, we ask you to send us. The fields are so ripe for harvest. Allow us to read the times. 
Send us, God. Use us. And as you do, Lord God, we pray that we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor every step of the way. We will point your people to you and you alone. And we pray that heaven, God, would be slammed full because of this church. God, we pray that it would be almost impossible to go to hell from the Carolinas because of this church. Anoint us, use us, bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet as the core team comes back up and leads us. Think about such things as you sing. Engage the moment. Because at the end of the day, church, we're not just trying to get them to come to a church. You know this, don't you? At the end of the day, we're trying to get them to come to Jesus. At the cross. Let's sing about exactly that.
Father, we worship you this morning. Lord, thank you that you tore the veil for us, Father. Thank you that it just didn't end on the cross with you crucified, but it, but it ended with you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, forever shining for eternity, Lord, your light. You overcame the grave, sin and death. You give us so many reasons, Lord, to celebrate today. Lord, the foundation of our faith, the risen King. Father, the, the, the joy that you fill our hearts with, the abundant life that you give us, the relationships that you restore, the ailments that you heal, the victories that you win for us over and over again, even when we don't even see you, even then when we don't even see you working, Lord, you're working. So many reasons to celebrate. So many reasons to give you praise. So many reasons to cry out to you. Our soul's content in you, Lord. And we worship you and we celebrate you. And the church cries out your name, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we shout for victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.